You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. We're going to continue in the second part of our sermon series titled, Be Free, and more specifically, Why It Matters. The timing is great because it comes at a time in this country where we celebrate our independence. And just this past week, we celebrated our July 4th Independence Day with holiday fun and festivities. And maybe you had the opportunity to think about the freedom that God has so graciously granted us in this country and also in the life as a believer of Jesus. I believe God has blessed this country above all others because of the belief in God. And in God we trust the principle that our founding fathers stood for and wove into the fabric of our nation. If we could ask men that fought and died for their independence and their freedom why it mattered, I believe they would say that our freedom matters because it is everything. Without freedom, we can have nothing. And without freedom, we can become nothing. I believe God has a message of hope and life for us today that comes from our freedom in Christ. To truly understand what freedom is and why it matters, we need to dig into its history of its origin and why it mattered enough to pay such a great price and the consequence of failure to obtain it. This message requires us to digest the meat of God's word as Paul describes it. And if you know me, you know that I like a good meal. (laughs) And preferably a really good steak. I know Pastor James is with me on this one, and since he's not here, I'm going to say amen for Pastor James. (laughs) I was thinking about uh, an experience in junior high school that I had probably in the seventh or eighth grade. I'm not sure. That's been way too long to remember for sure. But in English class, our assignment was to write a descriptive paper. And I remember thinking about this, and it was amazing how many details came to my memory because I have a hard time remembering what happened last week or my wife might say yesterday. So it was a miracle to be able to, I think, to recall some of these details. But I remember being in class that day and the teacher was given our assignment and telling us how to set up our paper. And she was giving us some, maybe some examples of things that we could use to describe something with a lot of detail or color that we could put words to and it could become a picture to the reader. And I remember thinking, 
man, I'm just really not into this English thing today. And I was sitting there and I said, man, I am really hungry. <laughs> I couldn't, I was thinking, as soon as I get home, man, I'm going to clean out the refrigerator. I'm going to find something to eat because I'm hungry. And as I continued in that thought process, I, I got to thinking about my favorite meal. And I thought about and envisioned a big, thick ribeye steak. Man, this thing was perfect. You know, when you imagine something or when you think about and dream about something, it can be the best ever, right? And I was thinking, man, this, this steak was the perfect color. It was a dark red. You know, it, had, it was marbled with all the white fat in there, and the texture was just right. Man, as I looked at that steak in my mind, I'm thinking I could just taste it now. And I, I begin to think about, you know, to eat this steak, I'm going to have to prepare it. And so I, I thought about, well, all these seasonings, the different seasonings that I could put on it and, and rub in, maybe a marinade. Then I thought about, you know, to really enjoy this steak, I'm going to have to cook it. So I thought about preparing that fire and how the temperature would need to be just right and how the flames would need to be to the right height. It could, when I put it on that grill, that they could reach up and sear the bottom of that flesh and lock in all of the goodness the juices. <laughs> and as I did that, I was thinking that fat will begin to drip into the fire and it's going to create this big cloud of smoke. And man, the aroma of that is just, is just going to fill the air. And I'm going to, man, my mouth was watering sitting there at that desk. And it dawned on me that I could write the paper to describe this steak. <laughs> you know, I'm sure all my other classmates, they were taking the examples of buildings and things and taking that head start and going for it. But I kept thinking about this steak, and I knew that once I put that on the grill and I cooked it to just the right temperature, the tenderness would be just right, and then I could cut into it. I could get it into a bite-sized piece that I could put in my mouth. I could chew on it and break it down. And again, all those juices and flavors would flood my mouth and how that would just, you know, marinate in my mouth. And pretty soon, I'd be able to swallow and digest that. And I, as I penned the words that I was imagining, I was also able to think about, you know, once I swallow this, it's going to be food to my stomach. It's going to give me a feeling of satisfaction. And I've thought about that in context to this message today and how that to get the full benefit of this message of freedom and why it matters, we will need to prepare a foundation in Scripture just as we prepared a stake. We need to cut in and dissect God's Word a piece at a time so that we can Chew on it and think about it, its meaning, and taste its flavor. We can then digest it and gain nourishment from the meal that God has prepared for us. 
This is not one of those breakfast shakes or one of those smoothies. So put your thinking cap on and stay with me as we get into the message today. The scripture text is found in Galatians 5.1. And Paul was speaking to the church at Galatia. And the context of this verse is that Paul was instructing the church concerning their willingness to accept the teaching of some in their midst that in addition to salvation by grace through faith, as they had been taught from the beginning, that they needed to be circumcised. In essence, they needed to go back in some part to the works of the law from which God had set them free to be in right standing with him. Before I read the text, let me pray. Lord, today we're just thankful for this time to come together. Lord, to sit at your table, to receive your word. Lord, I ask that you help me to speak clearly, to help bring understanding, God, to your word. Lord, that your spirit would touch our hearts. God, that it would lead us to those things that you would have us see in our own life. And God, that we could partake of your goodness. Lord, that we could understand today what freedom really is and why it matters. We ask these things. In your precious name, amen. In Galatians 5.1, Paul said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The scripture is not very long. And when reading it, there may be a tendency to look past it. Maybe because it's the first verse in the chapter, or because on the surface it appears to be pretty straightforward. But I want to take a few minutes this morning to break down a few of the key words, because words have deeper meaning sometimes than what we first recognize. The Apostle Paul said a whole lot in this text with just a few words that outline a powerful message to the church at Galatia, and it is just as important and powerful to us today. The first two words in this scripture, stand fast, seem odd to put together. Without digging deeper for more understanding, I might think stand fast as opposed to stand slow doesn't really make a lot of sense to me if I read it that way. But it stand is actually a military word, which simply means to hold one's position. Fast is used in this context is to secure it, be certain of it, and be confident of it. A phrase I grew up hearing, and this may be Texas speak or something, I'm not sure, but we might say to someone, hunker down. Dig in. Get ready for the storm or whatever's coming at you. The words liberty and freedom, they're often thought of as synonymous or having the same meaning. But because of the richness of the English language, there is a double root or two separate foundations for each of these words with a subtle difference 
and how they're typically used. An example of this double foundation from the Norman root comes the French word liberté, from which we get our English word liberty. It was easy for me to latch on to that. They didn't sound too far apart. And I knew that in American history that the French gave us the gift of the Statue of Liberty Liberty, when we won our independence. And from the Saxon root, the German word, Freiheit. From this word, we get our English word, freedom. From the Norman root, the word liberty comes from a ruling class. And it is thought of as a position or a status. From the Saxon root, the word freedom comes from the common class. And it is viewed as more of an everyday thing. There's a subtle difference and distinction in that liberty speaks to position or status and freedom is seen as more of an everyday thing. Speaking generally, liberty usually means to be free to do something. Whereas freedom usually means free from something. Born into a world of sin, in our own nature, we are bound to the works of the flesh, which is sin. We cannot escape in our own strength. We are shackled in bonds and chains with no hope. When we choose to believe in God and put our faith in Jesus The Holy Spirit enters into our hearts and life. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, the word says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and what Jesus did on the cross for us, the shackles and bonds are broken. And we are at a position of liberty to escape the bondage of sin. Positionally, we are in Christ. We are aligned with Christ. We are fully saved. And also, we are under His power and His authority. With the liberty that we are given, we can choose to be free in Christ. We must take that step of faith in repentance, which is saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. And we turn from our old life and our old nature. And we walk towards God, walking in a way that honors Him and pleases Him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Scripture says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. When we first begin to follow Jesus There's a lot about our new life that we don't understand. But with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, He will guide us in the way that we should live. If we make choices that do not honor God and is harmful to our life and our relationship with Christ, I know that when we do that, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and direction in truth. And as we begin to walk in the Spirit, 
seeking deeper relationship with the Lord. The love of God grows in us, and we start to look and act more like Jesus, showing his glory and his love to all those around us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, the more we become like Christ, the less our sinful nature will prevent us from living in freedom. In Galatians 5.1, our text says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Hold your position. Be sure, be confident in the position or the status that we have in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Paul was assuring the church that their freedom in Christ mattered because it is through faith we have relationship with Christ, which brings liberty from the law and the flesh. You can hear in the tone of the words Paul spoke some righteous indignation. And as he talked to them, he, he told them that, that our freedom in Christ is not of our own works, but it's by faith. And Paul explained that if you are justified by works, which is the law, then you are fallen from grace. And Christ and what he did on the cross has no effect, and he has shed his blood in vain. In the Jewish religion, the local rabbis had a set of rules and lists, which was really the rabbi's interpretation of how to live the Torah. It is what is known as his yoke. Being under the law, we know was to be in bondage as there is no freedom outside of Christ. In the second half of the scripture text, Paul said, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't get caught up in the teaching of justification by works in the bondage of law. Being free in Christ matters because we are not under the burden of the law. Remember Christ said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when we fall in love with Jesus, this Christian walk of faith is easy. It is not a burden, but a joy to live for God. There are two tendencies in people to greatly distort the grace of God and therefore the freedom that we have in Christ. Paul, in several of his letters, had to address these issues in the New Testament church. And we as believers today must guard against these two things to truly be free in Christ. The first one is legalism. Legalism is defined as human effort and achievement for God. 
Because our natural tendency is to rely on self-reliance or even self-righteousness. Legalism can creep in. And it tends to reduce our relationship with Christ to a list of rules. That is what was wrong with the law of the old covenant. The law was based on works. The sins of the people were merely rolled ahead for one year when a sin offering was made. Under the law, people could offer their sin offering once a year and continue to live in the flesh a life of sin and bondage. Under the law, sins were not forgiven because there was no perfect sacrifice that met the just requirements of the law until Christ came to die for us. From the giving of the law to Moses, the Ten Commandments were etched into tablets of stone, but they were not put into the hearts of people. And for the next 350 to 400 years, the Torah grew to 613 laws because more laws had to be written to define other laws. Laws had to be written to define the gray area where it was not always clear. You see, if the law of God is not in your heart through relationship, then in the flesh there will always be the tendency to skirt the law or to see what we can get away with. Or see how close to the line we can live without crossing it. I would say to you that it is impossible to legislate a love relationship with Jesus. There cannot be enough laws written or enough rules made to follow that will cause you to fall in love with Jesus. True relationship comes from the heart. And Paul was telling the Galatians and us today, our righteousness is by faith, not of our own works. Because it was about the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law, there was a need for a better covenant where we could be in relationship with God. In Hebrews, the eighth chapter, the word says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. In true relationship with Jesus, it is our will to obey the law of God as his children. Paul Mogby, who is one of our elders here, recently led us in communion in partaking of the Lord's Supper. And he explained beautifully what a covenant is. Remember, a contract can be broken, but a covenant is forever and cannot be broken. A covenant says, I will do this for you and you will do that for me. God says, 
I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. God is not concerned with the ordinance and rules of man-made religion. He is concerned about the condition of the heart. You see, it is only in a love relationship with Jesus Christ that we will choose to walk in freedom. It matters because God wanted us to be free. Our freedom in Christ matters because unless Christ came to die for us and restore the lost relationship between God and man, we would still be in bondage, dead in our sins and without hope. Second thing that we need to guard against to protect our freedom in Christ is lawlessness. Lawlessness is defined as a state of disorder due to a disregard of the law. When people live without regard for the law of God, they live without order, structure, and protection in their life. Lawlessness to us today may look and sound like this. If it feels good, do it. Or... Don't worry about it. Jesus paid it all. Or the one that Nike made famous, just do it. Lawlessness is at the opposite end of the spectrum from legalism. And just as the pendulum of a clock swings from the furthest position to the right all the way to the furthest position on the left, There is also often a tendency in people to move from one extreme to the other. If your life experience brings you from a place of lawlessness, where anything goes, without regard for the ways of God, guard against moving to the extreme of legalism. If your life experience brings you from a place of legalistic values, where holiness and righteousness is measured by works, or performance, guard against moving to the extreme of lawlessness. It is at either pinnacle that danger is most prevalent. To fall from the height of the far right into legalism is to negate the power of the cross and fall into bondage of works. To fall from the height of the far left into lawlessness Where anything goes is to fulfill the lust of the flesh, not seeking God in true relationship and falling into bondage of the flesh. In either case, the grace of God is abused and we forfeit our freedom in Christ to a life of bondage. So just as when the pendulum of a clock is at center, it is at rest. So also are we at rest when we walk in balance with Christ. Paul was warning the church not to use their freedom to willfully sin and abuse the grace of God. In Romans, the sixth chapter, first verse says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Paul said, Of course not. Another translation says, God forbid. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? 
Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. It's not that the God's law no longer exists. It's that now they are in our hearts. The law of God is alive in us through relationship with Jesus. Christ said in Matthew 5 and 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law of God is no longer dead works. It is no longer a task or a burden. The law of God is the light to the pathway of life, either side of which is in darkness. The law of God is the border inside which there is direction, safety, peace, fulfillment, and our freedom. Quite simply, the law of God points to Jesus. Galatians 3 Verse 24 said it like this. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The letter of the law is harsh. Put another way, the law was a hard taskmaster. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, speaking of God in verse 6, says, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The law fulfilled God's plan and purpose. It took us to school. It taught us that we have need of a Savior and that we cannot be free without Jesus. We now have a new and a better covenant Instead of the letter of the law, we have covenant relationship where the Holy Spirit lives in us and we become his temple. Our freedom in Christ matters because now we can freely enter into God's presence, clothed in his righteousness, and have direct communication with him through the Spirit which gives life. The last thing I want to talk about today is be free to live life abundantly in freedom. So when we place our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we enter into a love relationship with Christ. We are the church, and more specifically, the bride of Christ. We already know that God loved us so that he gave his life for us. And we also then give our lives to him. And just like it is in marriage, because of our love relationship with Christ, we cannot do enough to please and serve one another. You know, there are some things that we can do in marriage that helps our relationship. And some things that we can do hurt our relationship, right? Come on now, I think all the married people here can say amen to that one. <laughs> if we say negative things to our spouse or choose to participate 
in actions or behaviors that cause conflict between us. The result is usually not too conducive to a nice romantic evening from my observation. I love my wife. I think she's beautiful inside and out. And because I truly believe that, when she comes to me and she might ask me, how does this outfit look? Or how does my hair look? I say to her, it looks great. You're a beautiful babe. Even if the hair is out of place or, you know, the outfit isn't perfect. When I look at her, I see who she is to me and how much she loves me. That's how it is when Christ sees us. Of course, that's not always the answer she wants to hear. And she might say to me, how can you say that? You say that all the time. How can you say that when you're not even looking at what I'm talking about? <laughs> but when Christ sees us, he sees our love for him. And we want to live our life in a way that is pleasing to him because we love him. Christ said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because Christ loves us, he wants us to be free. So we can live an abundant and fulfilled life in the here and now. Christ knows that I am at my best when I am free. Our freedom matters because if we choose to live in bondage to the ways of this world, we cannot live the abundant life that he came to give us. Galatians 5 and 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The key word in this passage is indulge. Indulgence is the act of doing something that you enjoy, but that is usually thought of as wrong or unhealthy. The practice of allowing enjoyment of whatever is desired. Because we have true love relationship with Jesus, we do not indulge in the things of the flesh. See, indulgence is a choice in which we willfully choose. And when it becomes a practice, it can take on an identity of its own. A person who drinks to the point of intoxication in practice, will be recognized as a drunk. An example might be, oh, there goes old Joe stumbling down the street. He's the town drunk, you know. We all can stumble and fall, but be careful in the stumble, in the fall, because that can lead to indulgence. And if you find yourself in that fallen place, be quick to get up. And take steps away from sin and towards Christ and his love. God is faithful to forgive us and help us when we stumble. When we indulge in the works of the flesh, we forfeit our freedom in Christ. In Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 14 and 15, says, Sin is no longer your master. 
You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's law, grace, has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Maybe you're here today and struggling with something in your life that you often seem to make the wrong choice in. In your mind, you may be thinking, how do I ever overcome this? We all have fallen short, and we all have areas in our life that we struggle with. In in your heart, you want to make the right choice, but you find yourself choosing to do that thing that you really don't want to do. And Paul goes on to explain in the fifth chapter of Galatians that the flesh and the spirit are contrary one to another. They're in conflict with each other. And it is because of this struggle that we don't always do what we would want to do. Even the Apostle Paul himself said in Romans 7 and 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. It doesn't change the consequence of our choices. Remember that in liberty, we are free to do something. We can choose to live our life in bondage, or we can choose to walk by faith in freedom. Know today that God's grace is sufficient in that area where we have fallen short. In the book of Colossians, we learn that about the supremacy of Christ and that positionally we are saved in Him. In the book of Ephesians, we learn that God has given us everything we need to overcome this life and live and walk by faith. Be encouraged because Christ overcame the world. And we also are made overcomers through him. It is when we are faced with our greatest adversity that we should look to our highest calling and purpose. We are called to be free. But in that time where we are challenged the most, we can either give in and submit to sin or we can choose obedience and submit to God and his purpose. Through obedience and love, our life is transformed into his image, and our freedom is complete in Christ. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Jesus, we find the way to freedom. In Jesus, we find the truth that sets us free. In Jesus, we find the abundant life now and complete freedom in life eternal. John 8, 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, 
and the truth shall make you free. Jesus fulfilled the law in love. When we have love of Jesus in our heart, we fulfill the law of God. In Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you haven't heard anything else, I have said this morning, church family, hear me right now. Today I deliver to you a message of hope. In God's divine plan, he wrapped himself in a robe of flesh. He entered into this world as an infant child in a lowly manger, fully God and fully man. In life, he overcame the world as he was tempted in all manner as we are. He showed us the way to life eternal. And one day, we too could be reunited with the Father. At Calvary, he humbled himself. And he was led as a lamb to slaughter, where he bore the sins of the world. At the cross, he shed his blood, the crown of thorns upon his head, from the spear that pierced his side. And from the nails that pierced his hands and his feet. To pay the penalty of sin for you and for I. In his death he was victorious over death, hell and the grave. Because on the third day he was resurrected by the glorious power of the Father. One day soon we will see Jesus face to face. The scripture says that it. As the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall also the coming of our Lord be. At the sound of the last trump, those who are dead in Christ will rise first to meet him in the air. Then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air and to forever be with our Lord. What a glorious day that will be. But be free. Because it matters that Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, is coming soon. In conclusion, as I began to put this message together, I was looking for a quote, maybe from a famous person like Thomas Jefferson, who helped frame our Constitution and spoke to the freedom that we have in this country. After looking through countless pages of quotes, I was unable to find anything that really spoke to me and captured the full meaning of what freedom really is. And as I began to meditate and pray, I asked God to give me the words to help us understand what freedom is and why it matters. I believe that God gave me these words and they hold true. Freedom is conceived in grace, born in liberty. It is chosen in faith and complete through obedience and love. God conceived a plan in grace from the beginning of the world where his son would come and die for us and shed his blood that we could be free. The birthplace 
of freedom is liberty. It is the gift of God by the power of the cross whereby we obtain position and status in Christ to walk in freedom. Hold your ground. Be sure and confident in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. Push forward. Don't go back to the life of bondage that Christ set you free from. Seek the Lord and His will in your life, which is to love the Lord God with all your heart. Choose freedom through faith in Jesus. It is through obedience to the Word of God, because we love Him, that our freedom is made complete in Christ Jesus. Be free because it matters that Christ came and died for us that we might have abundant life in the true relationship with the Father. We have been adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters, joint heirs with Christ. Rise above the bondage of sin and know that God has ordained a plan through Christ the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world wherein we can choose to believe in Jesus and be free. Free from the law of sin and death into which we were born through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are here today and you have not yet believed in Jesus or placed your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you realize today that you have need of a Savior. Please say this prayer with me. It is not the words of this prayer that will save you, but it is the condition of the heart and true repentance through faith that Christ will set you free. Lord, today I realize that I am lost with no hope without you. I am asking for your forgiveness and turning from my sin and making a choice to follow Jesus. I confess he died for all my sins on the cross at Calvary. I believe he rose from the dead on the third day. Lord, today I'm making a choice to be in relationship with you at liberty to walk in freedom by the power of your spirit. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.